Ivy Juiva, and this is Future of Food. Buy local, eat a plant-based diet. You've heard the words, but do you take action on them? When Molly Keith and Melissa Nestor moved to Los Angeles, they wanted to get into the movie business. Instead, they found their true passion in the restaurant business. Having no previous experience running a restaurant didn't stop them from opening Palette Food and Juice. When they opened in LA, they knew they'd source all their ingredients locally and offer a plant-based menu. Everything would be organic. They made the kind of food they wanted to eat and found that locals liked it too. They took action on those words we hear so often, buy local and eat a plant-based diet. During the pandemic, Palette Foods is offering online ordering and curbside pickup and delivery. I interviewed Molly and Melissa at their restaurant before the first lockdown in Los Angeles. Well, so tell me about the journey of how you went from friends to owning a business together. So Melissa had a house and she just basically took in wayward friends. <laughs> Here in LA. Here in LA, yeah. So there was we like- those friends. Yes, <laughs> she, she owned the house. So like I moved in with her and we were roommates for what, a year, two years? Yeah, something. something like that. And then while we were roommates, we would hang out and go out to eat. We both were kind of health conscious and, and we're always doing like cleanses and blah, blah, blah. So like we um, would be like, oh, let's go to Cafe Gratitude. Oh, let's go to Cafe Gratitude. Okay, let's go to Tinder Greens. Okay, let's go to Tinder Greens. And there was like, you know, just a few places that we would eat all the time. We'd be like, why can't we just go to a place that has just food it's that's healthy. simple yeah. that's local that you know what I mean and we would list all of these things that we wanted in no a restaurant additives, no yeah additives, no, sugars, no sugars you know blah blah cream, blah you know right um and not have to eat at the same place right, every time right exactly um so I don't know it was probably her idea because she's an entrepreneur. I'm, I am not an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, well, you are now. I am now, yes. <laughs> At heart, I'm not an entrepreneur. At heart, I'm a, I don't know, crazy person. You're a creative. <laughs> creative, for she sure. <laughs> um, Melissa's creative, too. Um, but she was probably just like, we should just open that restaurant. Wow. Um, and I was like, all right, because I always say yes to everything without thinking and never knowing what I was getting myself into. <laughs> because neither of us knew anything about, like, how to actually run a business. I had worked in restaurants my whole life um, since I was in North Carolina. Um, my first job was, like, at a rib place. I was a dishwasher when I was 16. You know, like, I've, I've done every job in a restaurant what kept you going like what uh, you know other than well, you you wanted going now yeah like uh, you know other than you wanted a place where you could oh, eat yeah. yourself like <clears throat> melissa so what kept you going melissa well, i've always done my own business so there's a you have to be self-motivated to do that to you know wake up every day and you have to decide that you're going to keep going and you're going to keep doing what needs to be done through the day and you you don't get boggled down by what it is that you need to do. You just go in and do what you can do each day. And But I've learned that over owning my own business for a long time. Yeah. When you start out a business like we did and with our own money, 
and you have to you have to do it. You don't have the money to do it, so you have to do everything. And it's not like she and I are super passionate about things. Like we don't do the whole like live your passion thing. Like <laughs> we just do what's next. <laughs> um, we kind of follow what is put in front of us, um, and we operate in the same way in that way. But like she couldn't let it go um, because she really believed in the concept of the healthy food, but also like all of the other stuff we're going to be talking about. <laughs> like being responsible in terms of the impact of yep. the food. Yeah, and that's the environment. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically, we had a consultant come in um, and she was like, you need to do this, 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 and cut food costs. And everybody keeps saying to us, you know, what about, you know, just getting cheaper food, just get, get food that comes from a distrib- distribution house and blah, 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 blah. And I, I basically always tell people I'm not willing to do this at all to go through distribution if I have to damage like my if my impact is actually damaging to the earth (laughs) like I'm not willing to do it to have a restaurant yeah like I'm not that into like owning a business like I I am trying to basically I grew up as an activist like my mom would like take me to marches in Washington when I was like three you know um as an activist I also saw that marching and stuff didn't necessarily do anything (laughs) because like we would go to like pro-choice rallies and we're still having issues with abortion rights now do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and so I live my life as an activist so this is actually my form of activism it's it's a way that I can actually make an impact rather than like Watch, walking around with a, a climate change sign. Do you right. know what I mean? Right. Um, so, and you I, guys actually opened on inauguration yeah, day, yes, on the did. day of the women's march. Yep. We did. And I read that you kind of thought, well, maybe we should delay this so we can go to the march. Right. But then we thought, well, we are actually living, living the it. march. <laughs> like yeah, we are women it. owners. You know, we're women entrepreneurs, and um, this is what the march is about. You know. Um, and the funny thing is, is like, like so many people from the march came after it was over oh, on our first day. To nourish themselves. Yes. Yeah. So um, wow. it was cool. So what are your standards in terms of the food that you serve and, and where you source your ingredients? I took a regenerative agriculture class before we opened. I also took like a um, nutrition certification class. So I'm like a certified nutritionist. I'm I took it this regenerative agriculture class. So I learned a lot of practices in farming. And I also learned that, like, you know, vegans are always screaming about, like, rearing animals is, like, a huge factor in climate change. The worst thing for the environment. Yeah, but it's... Yeah. it's <laughs> agriculture is honestly probably... 26% yeah. of the greenhouse emissions. Yeah. yeah. And I understand that a lot of agriculture is to raise food for animals Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I understand Mm -hmm. that that's that but it's Mm -hmm. also like almost all of the agriculture that is um practiced right now is um monoculture and um monocropping yeah Mm -hmm. and and it's degenerating the earth it's um you know it's killing all of the biome and in the soil like there's there's so much that goes into um the farming practices that is destroying <laughs> like waterways and, waters and just and, the transportation too yeah. right when when we're only growing one crop then to access a variety we have to ship them right 
exactly. miles and miles. I learned, you know, if you're farming in a specific way, you can actually sequester car- carbon from the air. Like, it will pull carbon out of the air um, and, put and, the and put it in the soil. And it will also hold nitrogen in the soil and take it out of the air. There's like, it's just, it's the way that the earth was actually running before we started screwing with it actually like works, you know? Mm-hmm. I understand we've got 9 billion people to feed, but there are people like Graham Sate. Do you know that guy? Yeah. So he, he was, was the actually I... the speaker who influenced one of our guests, Ryland from Kiss the Ground. Yeah, Ryland I know him. Yeah. yeah. He actually, I took the regenerative agriculture class with Ryland. One of our old um, partners used to work at Cafe Gratitude, so she introduced me to that whole clan of people. Nice. Um, so yeah, I, I studied all of that stuff that Ryland talks about. Um, and so knowing what I knew then, I just went around to farms and met farmers and like I would call them on the phone and I'd be like hey can I come by and talk to you guys and some people were like uh no like even like organic certified organic farmers were like um uh yeah sure um but like meet me at this farm because because those standards are so lax yes yeah and like they'd be like yeah that that fertilizer is certified organic but it does have some petroleum products in it and I'd be like whoa okay good to know you know like so like I I really like met everybody and saw what they were doing um you did your homework yeah I mean I didn't have anything else to do (laughs) I didn't own a restaurant at the time like right now I don't do anything so um so I read all of Michael Pollan's books um the the thing that made the most sense to me when structuring how I was going to source all the food was know the farmers like certification organic certification really doesn't mean anything anymore um really not not really no i mean it means certain things but like Like it's better than conventional for sure i mean like what i always tell my family who are like not super conscious about their food at all they're like it doesn't make any difference i'm like look if you can buy organic just buy organic Mm -hmm. It, it it does make a difference but like it's a dark dark and it's a dark and shady (laughs) business this produce thing i mean like people will like you know get shipments of vegetables and put different stickers on them once they get to the the distribution houses yeah i mean it's like it's like and like the avocado trade is is run by the cartel in mexico and it's like it's like so insane but you know it's food and this is like you know the human humans have been causing wars over food for our whole existence so it's not it's not that strange but it's produce you know like it seems so wholesome but it's actually like I used to know this guy who would source from farmers markets and he'd be like let me tell you the real story he's like I go to this farm and I see them getting shipments from this farm and then they're putting organic on this and they're moving and I was like what (laughs) and he'd send me videos of like him like covertly like interviewing people and stuff oh my goodness so um that's that's one of the things I got from Michael Pollan is like just know your farmer he says know the hand that feeds you rather than or shake the hand that feeds you or something like that. Well, and it sounds like you have to, like, go to the farm and investigate. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or know somebody like you who can tell us, like, which farm. Right. So um, I know personally all my farmers. Um, And I know there's, like, this whole thing that Graham talks about, which is, like, inputs. 
So like I know what they're putting into the soil. In terms of fertilizer. Yeah, um, pesticides and you know stuff that's like not already there. Honestly, we have a few places that are certified organic, certified biodynamic. Most of the places are not because the ones that I know of that are certified organic are a little weird. <laughs> weird as in shady. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like to name names because I don't want to get into that. My standards are all the produce that we have. Every single thing that's fresh comes from within like a 50 mile radius. Excellent. All of it. Which means it's fresh and seasonal. Dude, you don't even know. It's like they will pick it. So I send the, the order on Thursday. They translate it into Spanish on Friday. On Saturday, they pick it, and they delivered it this morning, and we're cooking it today, tomorrow, and Tuesday. Well, I came on a Sunday, and I could taste that. Yeah. I was like, this tastes like... I mean, it's right out of the ground. Yeah. I mean, it's, it retains all of its nutrients because of that. I mean, not all of it, but, you know, probably 90%, 99%. If you get normal, like, organic food that's been sitting in a distribution house... Weeks. Dude, yeah. weeks. So anyway, I bought some stuff um, from a distribution house at the beginning, and I had to send it all back because I was so used to seeing, like, the fresh produce. I was Dirty. like, it was it was wilted and dirty and flavorless and I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even understand how restaurants used this. Well, like, how they're they, putting a bunch of crap. They use a lot of salt and, and butter yeah. and fat and, you know. Cooking the hell out yeah, of and, Dressings. Right, exactly. Sugar. And so, you know, when we were first starting, I worked in fine dining and all around, like, all the foodie restaurants in L.A., I mean, basically, you name any restaurant I've worked there, or know people that work there. They all, they all use, all of the places that I worked used all different kinds of, like, some of them would go to farmer's markets and stuff like that. So not all of them were, like, horrible, but, like, I worked at, like, the best restaurant in L.A., and they got almost all their produce straight from farms, and that's the only place. The best restaurant in L.A. <laughs> that you had to sit down to. Probably the most expensive. Yes, the most expensive. Yeah. And... There's them and there's us. <laughs> so so yeah. you guys are very affordable, you know, compared to like, you know, I took a friend to lunch at not the best restaurant in L.A. Yeah. and spent $75 yeah. on our lunches and we weren't drinking alcohol. Right. Um, so is it profitable to run your business with the level of integrity you're running? Not like- yet, <laughs> but we've only been open three years. So most places take five years to get profitable. Most places close in the first three years, so we're still open. Plus, we didn't have any backing. We didn't have any capital. We didn't have anything. So most places will, like, have enough startup capital to make it through the first three years. We were, like, at zero when we opened, and everything that we made was just to keep it going, to pay the employees, to buy the stuff, and to keep the lights on. And we've grown since then because it was literally us and our family and our friends working here. Like, her mom did dishes. (laughs) My mom did dishes for months. Yeah. Nine my hours brother. a day. Yeah. My brother and on the weekend. Her mom's however old she is. And <laughs> <laughs> that, that side of the family doesn't like to talk about their age. But, you know, it's her mom. And uh, she, was young, in, she was in there for nine hours a day doing dishes. Um, my mom my mom had worked in kitchens, too. And so she came and she, like, helped organize. Like, she was like, okay, you need to prep this and you need to do that. And so she was in there chopping. Her husband was in there chopping. Like These Southern women in their elements. Tell you, <laughs> they just get it done. 
Well, having that sense of purpose, they say, is like a, a fountain of youth. You yeah. Know, like really believing in something. And That's what my grandma used to say. Yes. Yeah. And that generation worked harder than we probably ever could mm-hmm. comprehend. Yeah. 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 So tell us about your um, typical client, like your typical guest. Is it Dudes. someone who's... Great men. Dudes. Dudes love us. You know why? No. Because it's simple. It's not this place that has ashwagandha and spirulina <laughs> and all the guys are like, I don't even, I just want some food. You know, yeah. like they, I, we come, they come here and we're like, do you want rice? Do you want beans? Do you want vegetables? They're like, yes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's simple to understand. That's yeah. the only thing that we could come up with because like we get hordes of dudes. Yeah. And it's, yeah. They, it's pretty they, hard. They get, filling. Yeah. Like a lot of the you healthy restaurants, mm-hmm. a lot of the healthy restaurants, you don't get filled up. You have to right. order like a few things, and then your then your bill is like forty dollars, and you know, you don't really ever. More than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are these like vegetarian guys, health no. conscious guys? I think All they're right. guys that most like the most like the 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 majority of the people that come here are like guys that are trying to have at least one healthy meal a day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're like, I come here, I get all my vegetables, and I don't have to think about it. They're like trying to like be good for their moms or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're they're like doing what they should do. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get we we designed it for crazy people like us. Like oh, I don't eat dairy. Yes. I'm on a, a you know naturopathic diet. Blah blah blah. Like all of these like paleo. Like I didn't see my best friend for like three years when she went paleo because she couldn't eat anything and. She stayed at home all the time, yeah. you know? And we all have friends like that yeah. in the yes. city, a whole group so, of them. Yeah. 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 So we designed it for them because basically anything, any kind of diet you are on, you can eat here. A restriction, any kind. Yeah, because it's so simple and you can add what you want or not, you know? Customize so like, it. yeah, so yeah. all of the people that are on cleanses are like, I'm on a liver cleanse, I'm on Whole30, I'm on keto or whatever, they, they, they can um, eat here. But like the majority of our guys are just dudes. So you have a lot of expertise not only in regenerative agriculture but also nutrition and health. What would you say is the best diet, the ideal diet in terms of environmental sustainability okay. and also for health? And is that the same diet or is, is, is the diet that's better for health maybe not the most sustainable? I mean at this person? point I feel like everybody's so depleted in so many ways that like, if you have Lyme's disease, sometimes you need adaptogenic mushrooms that come from China to, like, actually heal your body. You know what I mean? Like, they're, everybody's just so screwed up physically. Partly because of the toxins in our environment. No doubt. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, partly, probably a big part, you know, stress. Uh, there's, like, a laundry list of things. Um, but my philosophy is... Michael Pollan's philosophy, which is just like, eat food. And he says mostly plants. Right. So like, eat food that your grandma, great grandmother would recognize as food. So like, he also says like, if it has to be advertised, don't eat it. I don't know if there's an ideal diet for every human body, um, because everybody's so different. Um, one of the things that I'm always talking to people about here is you have to listen to your body and most people aren't in their bodies they're in their head or in the future or somewhere else you know I also make a distinction between cravings and listening to your body because people crave sugar they crave fat they crave salt that's like 
what we've been pumped with. Um, but if you actually like drop down and listen to yourself and start to like watch how different foods affect you, like, oh, I ate this, I feel manic or I feel sick to my stomach or I have scratchy skin or whatever it is. If you start to listen to yourself, I feel like you can start to design your perfect diet and no nutritionist is going to be able to tell you because there's so much in nutrition that we don't know. It's very reductionist, very like Newtonian. There's magic in food that we don't know why certain things work the way they do, you know? But for the environment I, and, and to climate change, I just, it's, it's pretty simple if you just think about it for a minute. The amount of carbon that goes into transporting stuff around, the amount of food that other things have to eat. So like if you have chickens, right? Chickens have a higher carbon footprint than our bison, which is strange to think of. Bison are gigantic. Chickens are little, but they actually cause more carbon because they have to have feed input. Or Most the bison are grazing. Bison are just like they're born. They live out on the range and they have one bad day, like <laughs> Michael Pollan says. That's it. They is don't that true for all bison or is that? No, 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 no. Some, certain ranchers will like give them antibiotics and certain ranchers will give them feed and stuff to like, basically it's to like uh, quicken the um, process of raising them. So like fatten them up or keep them healthy, you know. Our, our bison distributors don't do anything. I mean, they like round them up one day. Round them up and yeah. like, you know, move them around. I mean, like they'll move them on pastures because I mean, like bison are from here. They don't need anything. They they're they're used to living in the weather. They're used to, you know, eating what's on the ground, you know? Like they are they take nothing. So that would be a, a sustain. If you're going to eat meat, that would be one of the more environmentally yeah. friendly sources. But you have sure. to know your bison. Yes. Yeah. Like you have to know all your food. And that's the thing. Most people don't have time to, to know it, you know, or the desire to know it or the, the um, it's not just about time. It's about like brain like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the space in their yeah. brain. They're like, ah, oh, you yeah, know, especially in L.A., like everybody's hustling, hustling, hustling. Like they're trying to make it or do whatever they do. And everybody's like, worried. No, I'm not trying to think about my food, you know. Yeah. So like here we did all the thinking for you, you know, like every everything that we source is thought about. Even like the salt that we get is from Sonoma. Do you know, like every every single ingredient like our olive oil is the reason I think our food tastes so good is because of our olive oil. They mm. are, it's the best olive oil I've ever had. And it's, um, these two brothers, their dad bought this olive oil, uh, orchard, olive tree orchard in, um, like 2006 or seven. Um, and he was going to level them and build condos. And then the crash hit in 2008 and he lost all of his money, but he had this olive oil orchard. <laughs> and so the brothers were like, dude, we've got olives just like out there. We should do something. I mean, it was hundred year old trees. They're not, they're not anything. They're just out there growing. They don't get any, they don't get anything. They're just growing trees, right? So they just pick the olives, press them, 
and sell the olive oil and that's it. So what would you tell someone, you know, I totally agree. So many of us get overwhelmed and it can be so complicated because we think we're doing something good by eating organic. And then we find out, guess what? It's not really that great. You have to do more homework. And it's just like, people are just ready to give up. Yeah. So what would you tell people who don't have that mental bandwidth to do all the legwork you've done? What, what would you say would be the most important step they can take? Hopefully, when you come into palate, not only are you getting fed food, but you're becoming more conscious about your everyday living because you're being aware of where to put your trash, what this really should taste like, how you feel afterwards. It makes you become more aware of things. You know what I mean? And so, not only eating food, but being more aware of things in life makes a difference and how you feel and how you live. So, I, I, and I'm a big believer in that. I mean, I think food can really nourish you and I think it literally can heal you. At the same time, I do believe that your thoughts matter too. In terms of awareness? Yes. Awareness of our interconnectedness with the environment? Yeah. So do you think just that awareness actually does anything if someone's just eating the same thing? Or you're saying like that awareness would actually cause them eventually to, to make those gradual changes? How else are they going to make the changes? Yeah. Beautiful. What have you seen personally in terms of, because I imagine you guys have experimented with different diets and eating in this way that's really conscious of the environmental, environmental impact. How have you seen that shift your experience of your health and vitality and do you have any stories of customers have shared with you about their experiences eating your food yeah i feel my 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 gut (laughs) has healed she was um eating the food every day and drinking our bone broth every day and she had a lot of gastrointestinal issues and she just was like i'm just gonna try this and so because it was (laughs) free and here for her she was doing it and over like three or four months all of the issues stopped they just stopped no I mean I just believe food can heal you if you eat correctly and you're you know aware of what you're putting in your body so for people who can't eat a pallet every day let's say they're in West Virginia yeah what would you tell them like what garden food garden food food. grow your own food food. I mean that's a big you can just kind of callously say grow your own food but people are like way too concerned with making money like David Wolf says people would rather spend all their money on a car and a house and put like the worst fuel into their body (laughs) so someone who like my brother lives in New York yeah what could I tell him like here's what you need to do you know in New York I I lived in New York and it it's at certain times of the year you can only get apples at the first Oh, I remember. I lived there too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, like, you know. And olive oil, which they probably ship in. (laughs) Yeah, right. Everything is shipped into that island. It's crazy. It's like a spaceship. Um, I know it's overwhelming. I know it's like you sit down to a meal and you're like feeling guilty about eating anything and it's hard, but you know, it's got to start somewhere, you know, and. If you go to farmer's markets, even if you don't research every farm, it's still going to be better than the apple you're going to get at Gristiti's that was shipped in from Washington Chile. State. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always just tell people, like, if you're in the middle of Virginia and you don't have any other options that you know of, go to the organic section of the market, you know. 
I always tell people to shop the periphery. Don't ever go into the middle of the market because that's where all the sugar and processed foods and stuff that's going to kill you is, you know. Um, but honestly, if I, if you had to tell people, wouldn't you just tell them to, to eat the best way they can organically and stay away from sugar? Yeah. And stuff like that. I mean. I mean. Yeah. Eat it eat from the farmer's market, you know. And what about meat versus no meat? I feel like that's one of the biggest questions when it comes to both climate change and health yeah. that people are asking. Like, you know, there's there's a whole contingency that says the biggest thing you can do is get off animal products. Right. We know the bison that you have here is an exception to that based on the way it's grown. Well, there are exceptions to it everywhere. It's not like animal products are inherently bad to eat for every human body. Some people can't eat animal products. Some people have a hard time processing that. It's true. For climate change, it's just not true that all animal products are bad. A lot of it, most of it, is horrible for the environment. And certainly all conventional. No doubt. You know, the feedlots are just insane. It's tragic. It's insane what we're doing, you know? Yeah. But there are a lot, a lot of ranchers that are doing some beautiful work. There's a place called Diamond Mountain Ranch. If you look at their website, Buy Ranch Direct, they're like doing amazing animal husbandry um it's and it's like the animals are raised beautifully they're raised on the land they're not input with anything there's no anything like it's it's beautiful the thing that americans i think are used to having a lot of protein everybody when i was a vegetarian people where do you get your protein where do you get your protein it's the 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 thing about America and protein is when the, the, the people from Ireland and England and all of Europe came over, they were impoverished, right? They were like living on potatoes or whatever, right? So they came to America and there was all this land, <gasps> the land of plenty. So our ancestors were like, let's eat all the meat we can because we can grow it all here, you know? So like then the plate, like Dan Barber's third plate, that book, did you read that? No, but I remember listening to you talk about it in an interview. Yes. So anyway, he talks about the different, like the, 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 the future plate of America. The, the old plate of America was like half meat or three quarters meat, a little bit of vegetables and a little bit of starch. Like that was the normal plate for America. But he's talking about like Michael Pollan, eat mostly vegetables, eat food, mostly vegetables, right? If you need to eat a little bit of meat, eat it. It is expensive. Because it takes human work to actually raise the things in a proper way. But you don't need that much meat, you know? Eat a little bitty piece of meat. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, So I think what you're saying is so powerful in terms of it's not like all or nothing, eat meat or don't meat. It's about looking at the proportions and how does the rest of the world do this. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about it is, is that Americans have been brainwashed that that's the only way to eat because that's the way their grandmothers eat and their grandmothers eat but that's not necessarily the only way to eat you know and like I was saying that the results of eating that much meat and that kind of meat and that and that much fat and sugar and salt it's like the 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 epidemic 
in America of diabetes, of obesity, of um, all of these autoimmune diseases are all stemming from, at least in some part, their diet, <laughs> you know? We have to start, basically I see this huge movement of like ancient uh, health wisdom coming back. People are starting to like ferment. Like ancient cultures have kept these things going forever. But in America, we forgot about it. We started pasteurizing everything. We started pasteurizing our milk. We started pasteurizing sauerkraut. You know, like we started like which kills all everything, the all the bacteria, everything. Yeah, kills everything. And I understand why they did it back in the day. Like if you have a cow in the city and you're milking it, it's going to be exposed to a lot of bacteria, and that can kill you. You know. But or if, cows crammed together. Crammed together, yeah. And, and they had to figure out a way to feed all these people that were crammed together in the cities. And it's just, it's, there's so, it's just so, there's so much information out there for this kind of thing. And um, I feel like people are starting to go back to even DIY movement is part of it. All of, they're, they're starting to go back to how to live in the on the planet you know um because people are dying (laughs) um from what they're eating and how they're living you know um and the thing that melissa was talking about with consciousness people don't associate it they think that we're just dying randomly yeah just like oh just people just get diseases but you don't people people live and they thrive when they're living in accordance with nature and you know the natural order of things I have an uncle who has a dog and he has been feeding the dog adaptogenic mushrooms and uh, non-gmo organic yogurt and organic vegetables and organic meats and I was like oh that's great are you eating that way he's like no and I started to realize the dog was just another, another thing, another possession that he could show off as like a beautiful car or a beautiful dog. But his body, it didn't matter what he put in his body. There's no connection between his heart disease and the amount of ham and waffles <laughs> he eats, you know? Um, so I, I think there's a huge disconnect, and and the consciousness that Melissa was speaking about is is what we're. I mean, we're just trying to educate people. Well, it's really interesting. You mentioned the dog and the adaptogenic mushrooms because I see many people kind of using food as a commodity to achieve a specific health goal. Like right. you know, we have a collagen craze now, where people are right. buying collagen and mass from South America. Right. Um, Quinoa. So, Quinoa, yeah, yeah. So there's I mean, like the, the people in Peru there. can't even afford to buy their quinoa, which is what they've lived on for thousands of years. They can't buy it anymore because Americans are like, "Oh, quinoa has so much protein." Blah blah blah. You know, right. like that's one of the reasons I don't buy. Like people are like, "I want quinoa palate," and I'm like, "We're never going to have quinoa palate. We're only going to have California-grown rice and California-grown wheat berries. And if I can find some other grain that's grown in California, then we'll do that. And if we ever move to New York, we'll have whatever grows in New York. Because that's the purpose of Palette. It's, it's to keep it all within the area. I noticed when I was growing up and eating out of the garden, my digestion, there was like 
it was never an issue. Everything I just ate and everything was digested and I felt great. And I feel like the best we can do as urban dwellers, we're not all gonna have yards, we're not all gonna have, you know, urban farms to live on. The best we can do is get the stuff from people that are growing it close by, you know? And you see, there is an epidemic in Los Angeles. I can attest to that in my little <laughs> circle of friends that shop at Erewhon. Like, there's an epidemic of gut issues. Dude. For the amount of concern they have about health, the amount of gut problems is really quite something. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and it's very simple to fix. It just, it's not, it, it's, people just get so confused. You know what I mean? Like, just if you read the ingredients and it's food, eat that. But if you read the ingredients and it's like, you know, polyetho, blah, 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 like you can't even pronounce it, like, don't eat that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that simple. It's, I just try to keep it that simple. I look at the ingredients and if, and if it's food, then I eat it, you know? And if you're eating in restaurants, you really got to know where that restaurant is sourcing. Well, cause they here's might... the thing, like, you do the best you can. You're not going to be able to do it all the time. So, like... I know people in the city that are doing cool things, so I'll go to those restaurants. And then sometimes I'll go to a taco truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like you have to live your life in a super dogmatic way because then you start getting so neurotic about everything that you can't relax when you eat, and that causes a whole other set of problems, you know. So where can people find out more about Palette? We are on Facebook, although I'm not on Facebook, so I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's just Palette Food and Juice on Facebook and it's Palette Food and Juice on Instagram and it's palettefoodandjuice.com. <laughs> Thank you so much yeah. for joining us Thank today, you. Lady. Thanks for listening, everyone. Visit us online at futurefood.fm. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts and put the power to save the planet on your plates and on your playlist. I'm Ivy Juiva. Future of Food is produced by Lee Schneider. Music by Epidemic Sound. We're part of the Future X Podcast Network. <laughs>